Decoding Decarbonization, where we dive into today's most relevant topics for decarbonization and discuss best practices for each step of the sustainability journey, from making the manufacturing floor greener, identifying decarbonization drivers, and moving beyond low-hanging decarbonization fruit. For today's podcast, Fundamental Pillars for Achieving Corporate Decarbonization Success, we have the pleasure of hosting Matt Helgeson, Head of Sustainability for Siemens U.S., sharing what we've learned about sustainability best practices along our journey to net zero. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, and it was great seeing you at Climate Week last week. Hey, Stacey, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a great week. Absolutely. And, you know, we were immersed in an entire week of hearing all of the different challenges, barriers, but also tailwinds on getting to net zero and how organizations can do that. So maybe help us understand as as head of sustainability for the U.S., when you're launching a sustainability program, what kinds of expectations should companies set on, on at the beginning of that journey? Sure. So uh, we heard a lot of this last week um, at Climate Week from companies who are uh, getting into this this journey and, and particularly into the the execution phase um, of their decarbonization efforts. But I, I think in the long term, companies need to be ambitious. I think uh, companies are capable of much more than maybe it seems at the outset. Uh, and, and for Siemens, we set our first carbon neutral target back in 2015. And we've evolved that target to now be uh, a net zero in operational emissions by 2030 with a 90% physical emissions reduction uh, requirement along the way. And so that sort of big, bold, ambitious target really set the stage for what are our expectations, what are our long-term expectations for the way we're going to do business. Um, And then I think uh, when when you begin that, and if you start there, it's also really important to set specific interim targets to ensure that there is action in the near term. Because uh, what we've learned is that showing progress along the way really does ensure buy-in from the organization, from the leadership, um, and and really allows for that flywheel of momentum um, around these activities and around um, the funding that's required to to really pick up speed. And that's a great point around building momentum where you have really a portfolio of decarbonization levers at your disposal. Can you talk about how Siemens has built a program, number one, across a multitude of of sources of emissions, but also in a way that is using different decarbonization levers to show that early progress? It it can be complicated. um, And I think that part of what's really important about those early conversations is to take the time to really understand your footprint, really understand your emission sources. Um, and, and you can do that at the highest level and look at things like, uh, you know, your scope one and two emissions. And for us, that's a, a large vehicle fleet. That's our manufacturing and, and office building, our facility footprint. Of course, all of our energy consumption, electricity consumption associated with those facilities. Um, and so once you can really understand that, high level, where are our emission sources, getting into the details of what's required to decarbonize those emission sources uh, can really give you uh, the, the, the right kind of material to find the people in the organization who have the ability to act on those sources. And so uh, part of that also becomes an organizational tool. Uh, and so for us, it was a way to bring in 
uh, more than just the corporate sustainability office, right? So it was a way for us to engage the businesses who occupy these facilities and who, who you know, create their products there um, into the conversation. It also allowed us to bring other corporate functions into the discussion, like our real estate group and our supply chain group and our fleet management group, because as we evaluated that that footprint that we were we were up against addressing and decarbonizing, um, those kinds of groups could take ownership of certain parts of that and really kind of approach it in a programmatic way that that allows it to be not only um, maybe more quickly addressed, um, but but brings ownership of the overall program in, in a way that that's hard to do if you don't truly understand where those emissions are coming from. And you really hit on something that I want to dive into a little bit later around the culture of the organization really playing a key part. Um, but maybe first thinking about bringing those teams in and across a, a large footprint, the challenges and the methodology for activating those different groups and prioritizing facilities, office buildings versus manufacturing versus fleet. What what are the challenges and how do you approach that? So as we understood our footprint better and uh, within the facility aspect of, of those emissions, um, the uh, prioritization of facilities um, really comes down to two categories, right? There's the office buildings and the manufacturing facilities. The office buildings are a little more straightforward because the emission sources there um, are, are really driven by um, energy or electricity consumption. And so we know that there are solutions available, energy efficiency projects, lighting retrofits. Um, there's a multitude of renewable energy purchasing options to address those uh, emissions associated with that. Um, there is you know, typically some natural gas when you talk about HVAC, but again, that equipment um, that's needed to electrify uh, those sources um, is available and it's proven. When you look at the manufacturing footprint, it does get a little more complicated because, you know, of course, in the manufacturing space, um, you're maintaining the quality of production process while potentially replacing equipment. A lot of that equipment uses, you know, significant natural gas and has high heat. And so how do you how do you maintain that consistency when you're talking about replacing equipment um, with something uh, electrified? In addition to that, not all of that equipment is necessarily proven and available, and, and it's also uh, possibly less economically viable in the near term. So um, using that uh, as as a guide for prioritizing our sites um, it was a way for us to to understand what could be done first um, and really start to gain some some of that momentum you talked about, Stacey. And, and I think as we looked at our facilities across the U.S., it became pretty clear pretty quickly that there were five or six sites that were the bulk of our, our U.S. emissions. So we put our businesses to work um, and did a full facility uh, decarbonization assessment at those facilities to get even deeper into where are the emission sources in this particular facility that allowed us to see, well, um, as we as we work within the business's you know typical annual planning process so that they can begin to budget for these things, what can be done first, what's available today? And that really pushed you know two or three facilities up on the list because we knew we could get to work sooner. And another important aspect of that, another tool uh, in that process is is the the opportunity to apply 
digitalization and digital tools into this operational space. And so connecting uh, those facilities, connecting the real world to the digital world and making uh, those industry and infrastructure assets like our facilities, in our case, um, come online and making them more intelligent uh, really serves um, as a way to speed up the, that process. And so using digital tools allows us to just achieve uh, net zero and decarbonization progress faster in the real world and in our operational space. And you've, you've really touched on the dynamics of how to do that prioritization and specifically doing so while continuing to run a business. That's um, right. So when you think about not only the, the dynamics of that process, but hurdles that that those businesses are facing or that the program overall at the U.S. level is facing, what can organizations that are just starting out on this journey, what can they anticipate and plan for? Yeah, and I mentioned this this budget question. And, and of course, the, the, that's really at the forefront of uh, that next phase. So as you understand your footprint, understand uh, what it's going to take uh, to decarbonize that footprint, you begin to to put a put a cost associated with getting those projects um, underway. Any any cost to the business, of course, is 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 scrutinized and evaluated. Um, the the hurdle with understanding uh, those implications is is really more in how do we how do we time this appropriately how do we include these projects and the upfront costs that are associated with these projects in the the typical business model or planning process of those businesses um, and there's there is some good news there so for us it was was the willingness to accept a slightly longer return period on these these project investments. Um, but if you can do that, you can really see overall cost savings um, in the long term, which, you know, when you're talking about a manufacturing facility that you own, uh, long term is, is a much easier thing to, to really prioritize because that is the core of your business. And so that allows for that financial planning to, to be a, more acceptable to the businesses uh, as you get into that. Um, so I, I think that the, the hurdle of the cost associated with decarbonization, of course, is in front of any company who's looking to get to work here. Um, but there are ways to get a little more creative um, within your typical budget process um, that allows the businesses to, to, again, kind of take ownership of that and to plan accordingly. And let's maybe move while we're on the topic of finances into a place that might make this a little bit more palatable, thinking about the business opportunities yeah. that a decarbonization agenda or decarbonized facilities would present to a business. Have you seen any of those? Absolutely. And I think you know, Siemens is unique because our, our business is driving sustainability for our customers. And so the business case and the opportunities that present themselves uh, from doing this work ourselves are pretty clear. Not every company is necessarily in the same boat, but I think what every company can see is that because this work is complicated and because no company can really get to something like a net zero target alone, um, and that as we all recognize that our sustainability targets uh, overlap, right? We share in a lot of these these sustainability targets. Really interesting partnerships uh, will result from that. Um, and I think that because of the fact that 
every company's direct emissions are another company's or their customers scope three or indirect emissions, your action on decarbonization can really be a, a differentiator in the market, a differentiator to for you to your customers who are pursuing their own sustainability. So then it, it becomes um, an, you know, an indirect way to gain uh, competitive advantage, I think, in the long term, um, because you know markets are moving in that direction. I mean, we we see, Stacey, you see it with with uh, your customers asking things of us um, as a provider to them in terms of what we're doing, um, and so the the expectation from customers and from markets is is becoming pretty clear in that action here is going to be required in the long run. But if you're if you're early to that, you can really differentiate your business. Absolutely. And we are seeing that increasingly from our customers. So so spot on there. Coming back to something you said towards the beginning, which is really the importance of bringing the entire organization along, getting the businesses involved. How do you build a culture to motivate employees to accept the changes that are happening as part of this, this program or that's required to decarbonize but also to get excited about it and and contribute maybe things that you hadn't thought of before as you're as you're executing the program. It's 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 really important um, and it's something that we've kind of learned along the way. I think first and foremost, if if your company is setting priorities in this space, the top-down communication of those priorities and the purpose behind those commitments is crucial. So leadership has to communicate well what they're committing the, the the business and the company to and and why um and and then you know make the business case for your employees you can show those things that like we just talked about market differentiation long-term cost savings this this idea of resilience for your company to continue to do well over the long term um so security there uh things like brand value i mean making uh some quantitative uh, distinctions there for employees is is really important after you've kind of delivered that top-down priority message. Um, and I think something else that we've done that's been really helpful is to to make the topic accessible. So if you're not in this every day, and if you're in other functions within the company, or if you're in the business that's you know spending time externally with customers, um, it's it's hard to understand how it all connects. And so We've tried really hard to create things like webinar series and you know ask me anything type panels where we can connect the dots between this corporate sustainability commitment and programs um, into every job function, into every business, and how it impacts uh, folks who aren't in it every day. And so we we really like to say that at Siemens, you know, every job is a climate job because of what we've set as our purpose and the commitments that we've made and the way our portfolio and, and what we bring to the market supports that, whether you're, you know, in the legal department or supply chain or, you know, a salesperson, you're contributing to that purpose. And so that really, uh, we, we've seen, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on how the, how connecting those dots has really pulled the, you know, employees in. That's a good perspective. You and I have the the privilege of being in roles that are directly tied to what we're doing every day. But I think that's it's a point well made that truly in today's environment, every job is a climate job. 
So moving into, I think we close up our fiscal year here in the next couple days over at Siemens. Going into 2024, what are you most excited about? Well, I think that the, there's there's been a significant shift for us from this phase of target setting and, and commitment definitions and into action. And within that decarbonization space and, and the some of the categories that we've talked about, we have programs in place that are now working, um, I'll say, almost in the background as if they've always been there uh, in things like fleet electrification, in, in the facility evaluation and decarb that, that we talked a little bit about. Those programs are in place and they include the appropriate uh, functions and organizations within the company to really get to work. And so I think the, the moment that we're in here uh, internally with our own decarbonization work is, is exciting because we're going to really see projects at facilities. We're going to see EVs on the road. We're going to see these things come to life. And I think that will not, uh, not only begin to show real progress, but also gain even more momentum uh, from, you know, from the employees and, and the company as a whole. I think the market also is having a moment. Um, and so I'm really excited about the way that our sustainability functions are working with the businesses to really help bring what they do well to this growing and massive decarbonization driven, sustainability driven market that our businesses can serve. Um, and particularly here in the US, um, that that's uh, there's a huge opportunity um, coming through with things like the IRA and where funding becomes available to companies um, that may not have had the opportunity or the capital to really get engaged or now becoming engaged. So the market opportunity is really exciting as well. And that only gets bolstered uh, by the work that we're doing for ourselves. Well said and a great note to end on. I think we heard a lot of that during Climate Week as well, that, that tipping point and that true optimism around, uh, well, we may not be as, as a global economy where we need to be quite yet, that within organizations, we're, we're really feeling that momentum. I know within Siemens, we're feeling that enthusiasm and that shift to, to truly operationalizing this plan. So really appreciate your perspective on all of the consideration, all of the work that it takes to get there and, and truly enjoy working with you in that space. This was really great. Thank you, Matt, for a great launch to our Decoding Decarbonization podcast series. Well, thanks for having me, Stacey. It's always great to talk with you and I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the series. And to our listeners out there, to continue with us on this journey, subscribe to the Siemens Decoding Decarbonization podcast series on your favorite podcast platform. In the next episode, we're going to go a little bit deeper with the U.S. manufacturing footprint, looking at some of the challenges to retrofit brownfield facilities, as well as considerations when thinking about greenfield facilities, and how to build that decarbonization plan into your overall business strategy. We look forward to talking to you then. <music>